Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. I have the pleasure of tag-teaming this morning with our friends Brian and Cassie White. Tell us what we're going to be studying, what we're going to be diving into this morning. Sure. So we um, am looking at some movies and what we want. First of all, we're not giant movie buffs. We wish we had more time for it, but... um, we don't watch a lot of movies, so it was an interesting one for us. But we wanted something that we could pull bi- biblical principles out of, um, but also connect to with our own experiences just as working professionals and in life. Um, so some key things that have helped us along the way is what we've compiled um, professionally and personally, but things that we have um, seen lead us to the success that we're at today, um, even when it's not been so easy. So um, the kind of general theme is servant leadership. Uh, but breaking that down a little bit more into uh, what that looks like, especially when it's not um, easy or it's challenging to do. So Awesome. And so when I asked Brian and Cassie to share this morning, I wanted them to share particularly uh, around their professional experience. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is uh, the Bible teaches us that we ought to embrace the whole counsel of God. That the principles we find in the word of God don't just empower and equip us spiritually how to win spiritually, but it touches every single area of our lives. How many of you realize that God wants you to win in your career? That's why 3 John 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. It's God's desire to see his sons and daughters win, excel, do well. In fact, the word prosper translated from the Greek actually means ease on your journey. Biblical prosperity means we we connect with the grace of God. We connect with the purpose of God. We connect with the calling of God so that ultimately we can have ease on our journey. And that is not just limited to what we do spiritually. It also touches and informs what we do in our relationships, our interpersonal relationships, in marriage, in parenting, in in, in our service to the local church, our service to the world and social justice. But it also touches what we do 40 hours a week. Let's pump the brakes for a second. Is there anything else in your life that you commit 40 hours a week to? Uh, Yes, someone said sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But when you're awake. What what I mean by that is what you and I do professionally, what you and I do in our secular lives, takes up a significant slice of the pie chart. And what we do in our secular lives matters to God. Are you with me? Because everywhere you are planted becomes your mission field. Everywhere your feet are planted. In fact, your job exists for more than just a paycheck. And we have to begin to think beyond Just this transaction where I show up for 40 hours and at the end of 40 hours, you're going to give me a check. We need to reframe even our assignment in the places where God has sent us. And so when I I approached Brian and Cassie, I wanted to talk to them about this because uh, God has blessed them and they've done really well in, in business and in their professional lives. In fact, Cassie, Pastor did his research. I told him, y'all send me a bio, and she did this, wasn't included, 
But you made the top 30 to watch under 30? Top 30 most successful people under 30. Top 30. Yeah, really, come on. Come, you said it, Brian. I like that, how you no. said it. Come on. It's not right. Um, top 30 under 30 future leaders of Dallas. Future leaders when of I Dallas. Was under 30. When you were under 30. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> Last year. And so God has really blessed them. And, and But a, a tremendous, one of the reasons for that is because of the principles that they're going to share uh, this morning. All right. So take it away. Cool. So, um, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the movie before we get into it. Um, when talking about this topic, there was just such a good example. It's a good, lighthearted movie um, called The Intern uh, with Robert De Niro. Um, and we think he's just a great example of servant leadership. Um, we'll get into more of it after a clip. But um, we selected it. We had all these great ideas around it and then realized uh, it wasn't a giant movie, so there's not a ton of clips uh, available through YouTube. So we're going to show you the trailer. It'll give you a good kind of overview of what the movie is about if you haven't seen it. Um, and then we'll loop back around. In fact, let, let's get the temperature of the room before we run the clip. How many people have seen The Intern with Robert De Niro and Hathaway? Okay. So uh, is that a third? Was that a half? Okay, okay. Okay, so that's a good number. All right, all right, fantastic. That just helps us as we communicate. Yeah, awesome. So we're going we're gonna to dive into The Intern, and, uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about why this movie resonated with you. Uh, well, from the HR and me, I love him as an employee. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish all employees um, were more like him, but also really the, the whole concept of servant leadership, I think he mm. painted a really good picture of it. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about why, but um, you know, his 40 years of experience in business, all of this knowledge, and he's thrown into something that most people would be like, what, y'all don't know anything, don't treat me like this. Mm. Um, instead, he finds ways to serve. He finds ways to, to be helpful uh, mm. when he's not valued. Um, he's not appreciated. They kind of mm. stick him over to desk and don't even give him work to do. Mm. Um, and he doesn't sit well with that. He could have collected the paycheck, um, but he was there for a bigger purpose. Um, he needed to fill the hole. So, um, yeah, it was an easy example of servant leadership for us to um, Awesome. Find. And here's, here's one of the reasons why embracing servant leadership as a Christ follower is a non-negotiable. Listen to me. It's not a good idea. It is a non-negotiable. As a Christ follower, living the life of servant leadership, and this is what Jesus said. Listen, these are the words in red. It is how greatness is measured in the kingdom. If anyone in the room this morning wants to be great in the sight of God, he says it begins by serving well. It is contrary to what culture teaches us. In fact, culture teaches us the way that you're great is to climb the corporate ladder and it doesn't matter how many people you step on on your way up or how many people you betray or what you have to do to get ahead. Yet Jesus came and he flipped this thing and he said, look, listen, he said, I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to model servant leadership for you. And if you're going to be great in the kingdom, it begins by being the servant of all. It's awful quiet in this Methodist church this morning because it kicks against everything that we have been taught and everything that we've assumed. And Jesus says, if you're going to be great, serve. And he doesn't just say serve. He says, serve 
well. He doesn't just say serve well, but he says serve faithfully. He says serve faithfully. Oh, can I just talk about that for a second? No, I'm going to wait because y'all preaching this morning. <laughs> but we'll come back to that. Yeah, Let me tell you about that. <laughs> I just got to say it. Because this is where we struggle with faithfulness. We think that faithfulness is limited just to the action. Well, you asked me to do it and I did it, didn't I? When we miss the whole fact, we miss the whole fact that the attitude of faithfulness always precedes the action. Faithfulness is not just getting it done. It's also about how we get it done. And there is one who examines not only our actions, but even our attitudes when we do it. And that's why that's why God spoke. Through, 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 or to Samuel. You see, because Samuel was like most of us, we wrestle with our shallow how. We judge everything by appearances. And God had to rebuke his own prophet. He said, even you, Samuel, getting it wrong. Because you look at how things appear outwardly. But I see the heart. So can I just tell you, for those of you who go to work every, every day for 40 hours and go through the motions, everybody might see your outward appearance, but God is examining and weighing the motives and motivations of your heart. And that's what he rewards. Because servant leadership is not just about what you do, but it's also about the motives and the attitudes that accompany what you do. You're doing it on the outside, but fussing the whole time on the inside. God cannot and will not reward that. Are y'all listening to me? It's a big deal. Because Jesus says, this is how I measure greatness in the kingdom. Yeah, you may be great on earth, and you may have the title, but when it comes to what really matters, eternal significance putting zero points on the board. And that's why God spoke through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 1 and verse 19 and says, if you are willing and obedient, if you are willing the attitude and obedient the action, then you will eat the good of the land. There is a connection between the attitudes if you are willing that precede the actions obedient, then I'm going to bless you. Are y'all tracking? Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Sorry. You cover the first part of the whole thing perfectly. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> said, I didn't mean Well to. said. <laughs> all right, thank you. I mean, that really, I mean, the first point was serve, serve, serve mm. faithfully. Um, and so kind of the first subject matter I was going to take as far as an example um, and work which is what at the very beginning um, in my HR career um, I had to learn this lesson or I was I was doing it I was doing the servant leadership I learned about servant leadership through a program so um, I had that in my mindset which is I wish we had all learned it even earlier Mm. Um, but I went through some things there um, that really tested the action. Um, if you don't have the attitude, you're going to be put across things where that 
action isn't going to be mm. godly uh, because right. yeah, you might do good actions and mm. show up doing the job, an okay job. You're not going to get fired for it. Um, but then when you're pushed, if that attitude isn't there, um, you're not going to do it well. True. Um, and or worse, depending mm. on how bad it gets, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first point was the towel is greater than the title. Um, I think you covered that well. Uh, we also pulled Matthew twenty twenty eight, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give mm. his life as a ransom for many. Mm. Um, and again, as you said it, um, Jesus isn't saying like, hey, this was a good example. He tells us that is the example he has left to for us to follow. Mm. Um, when he picked up the towel um, and started washing feet, his disciples' feet, it wasn't, hey, good idea. He leaves us with the commission of this is the example I'm setting for you to go and do. Um, Let's let's spend some time right there for a second. So when I said uh, a servant leadership for, let me put it this way, the serious Christ follower, because there's such a thing as a trifling Christ follower. But those of you who are serious about following Christ, he didn't give this to us as an option. The very passage that, that, that Brian and Cassie are referencing, John chapter 13, this is what Jesus said. He says, the student is not greater than the master. And he says, if I have washed your feet, don't be tripping and thinking that you, you can't wash somebody else's feet. Now listen to me. This is for those of us who claim we follow Christ. And Jesus said, if I'm your master and you're my student, and I get down to wash your feet, the student can't be greater than the master. So if you're going to follow me and you follow me into the workplace, make sure every single morning you show up, show up with a towel. That's what most of us do. We show up with titles. But Jesus said the towel is mightier than the title. Because even though he was the son of God, title, even though he was the son of man, title, even though he was the Messiah, title, he showed up with a towel and washed his disciples' feet. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you want to see your environment at work change, show up with a towel and serve well. And not just with an outward action but with a right attitude and disposition internally. Because I can guarantee you, pretending is very exhausting. Sorry. That's great. Uh, and you, that just made me think of too, it gets easier. So I started out um, in this particular job with that towel with me, um, and now that towel's just packed. It comes let, me, let me just say this. You know, you know, sorry. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the year, I'm sorry. At the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, I made, I made this statement while I was preaching. And I say, here at City Church, and I think I referenced, I said the same thing when I was talking about the towel being greater. Do you know there are some people who have not shown up at our leadership huddle since I said we're removing all titles? that have not shown up once. Since I said, going forward, there are no titles. We show up every Sunday morning with towels. 
There are some people who will not touch it unless it's all about them. Unless, let me tell you why I learned this lesson. We had, we had someone here at the church who served faithfully in their area. I'm not going to tell you what area because you might deduce, uh, uh, but this was early on. This was early on. This was early on. And this person was the first one here. And they set everything up. And early on, before I even asked, they had a whole manual. And I said, this person is so, check this out. We look at the outward appearance, so faithful. Until I asked this person to build a team. And other people start to come and touch their stuff. It wasn't even their stuff, though. It was just the equipment they were running. But when other people started to show up and touch their stuff, person after person quit. And I said, what's that about? And they began to tell me the attitudes that were displayed whenever they came alongside this person and tried to help them. You see, it really wasn't about serving. It was all about them being in control of their territory. And some people, in fact, when I had the one-on-one meeting with this person, this person ended up transitioning the position, and we had a gap for a while that we ultimately filled. But check this out. Even though this person was here early, even though this person wrote a manual, even though this person was a hard worker, what it really was about was about them. Because there are a lot of people who just serve, not because they have the right heart, but because of what? The, the sense the sense of self-worth or authority or notoriety that they get because now they have a position and a title and they're in charge of something. But the moment that changes, they throw a fit. And so in February, when we say going forward at City Church, we will only have towels. Certain people hadn't shown up to one. It reveals, it reveals so much about us. Listen to me, and I'm going, I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to go there right now. Uh, let me go there right now. Can I go there right now? This is a 70-year-old intern having to start from scratch. You realize that this guy in the movie, when he watched the movie, he knew more than everybody in the building. But when he showed up, they limited him to making coffee. And he stayed. And he did what he was asked to do. Listen to me. Uh, uh, how, did, how did God say it? He said it this way. I resist the proud. You know what that, the word picture there is? I keep proud people at arm's length. I give you the hand. But I give grace to the humble. And you guys who follow me on social media probably, probably saw me uh, post this. And here, here's where the danger comes. Blessings in our lives that aren't quickly turned to praise quickly become pride. And if you don't realize that everything you had was a blessing from God and you don't convert that blessing into praise where your heart and your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you say everything that I have, every door that's opened, all my abilities and acumen and aptitude came from God, it will quickly turn to pride. And you will start to say to yourself, I did this. 
I'm smart enough. I'm smart enough for this promotion. I'm smart enough to be treated better. I'm smart enough for the title. And because we don't turn the blessing into praise, it turns into pride. And pride is always revealed by the things we are not willing to do. Y'all didn't hear me. Your pride, my pride, is revealed by the things we are unwilling to do, the things we think are beneath us. And can I say, if serving others is beneath you, leading them is beyond you. One of my mentors would say it this way. One of my mentors would say it this way. Uh, If you're too big to follow, you're too small to lead. Yet Jesus says this is how greatness is measured in the kingdom. This is how greatness is measured in the kingdom. So here comes this guy with all this experience, 70 years old, and all he's doing, all he starts doing is serving coffee. Do you all know my boss at work? I'm 47. My boss at work that I answer to is 30 years old. Most of y'all in this room could not even handle that. I'm here, I lead vice presidents, more than one who go to city church, vice presidents of corporations right here. And every Sunday, every morning when I show up at work, I'm answering to a 30-year-old. Most of y'all in this room will be disqualified immediately. Yet that's how greatness is measured. Because every single morning when I show up to work, I don't show up with a title, Pastor Ray. I show up with a towel to serve a 30-year-old. With all this gray hair in my head and on my chin. Okay. Let that sink in for a minute. I'm sorry, let me get you, sorry, I'll let you preach the message. I'm sorry. <laughs> preach on. Uh, well, I think it's just a but, good time to talk about what servant leadership is and like a ba- like yeah. basic definition for those um, yeah. who hear it as more of a buzzword, but it's sharing power contrary to um, other traditional types of leadership where um, power is held um, at the top um, and just kind of an authority over. Um, servant leaders share the power and they put the needs of others first uh, they help people develop and perform as highly as possible. And the main goal of the leader is to serve, period. Not just their boss, um, their employees, their peers, their organization, uh, whatever they're, they're set up to do. That's awesome. All right, so when we talked about this message, one of the things I was curious about, right, because it's easy to say, hey, go and serve and give your best when uh, the environment is conducive. Uh, but there's some of us who go to work, 40 hours a week or more, and the, 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 the conditions, the environment, uh, the, the, they're just not ideal. So tell us a little bit about how we navigate that, how we, how we assume this posture of servant leadership and serving faithfully with the right attitude in what can sometimes be a hostile environment. Sure. So in the movie The Intern, right, it's not ideal because of how he's being treated, just, you know, not valued, whatnot, but it's not quite the the full-blown, um, people say that Jules, his boss, isn't easy to work with, and he's like, you know, I think he said, um, looking forward to it, um, 
he had a quote where he said, I'm glad I'm here, maybe I can help her. Just this good, you know, good attitude. Um, but in my personal example, it was a little more like devil, the devil wears Prada. And uh, worse, actually, I went back and checked some clips from that movie. I'm like, God, was my boss actually worse than a movie they portrayed this terrible boss to be? Yeah, she was really bad. So, wow. um, or, and again, I guess... Luckily, I was blessed to have had this earlier in my career, so I um, had to get that one out of the way. But um, first job into HR, I had a boss that um, she had a reputation, prior to me getting there, of being a human resources person that hated all humans. That was her <laughs> reputation. I didn't make How it many up. have you worked with one of those before? Up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hated all humans. Come on. She was really, really terrible. Like, mean. She would yell at people, um, cuss at people demeaning, condescending, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't just to me, it was to everyone, um, but I was her assistant at the time, so I got to get the full, the full load of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely put that servant leadership mentality to, to the test. Um, she started over time, um, right, it was my first HR job, I wanted to learn about the field, I wanted to get experience. Um, she started shoveling work off to me, um, but over time, she was unloading her work onto me. Um, so I was kind of d- dual jobbing it. Um, she would take, you know, projects, take credit for them, present them to management. Um, all these things that outside looking in, which Brian was around for, was like, why on earth would you stay and work for someone like that? Like, why mm. are you even there? And I asked H- myself, have you ever felt that way before? Why on earth am I here? Why on earth am I putting up with this? I don't have to deal with this. Y'all ever been in that situation where the where, where your praise report turned into a prayer request? <laughs> you praise God for the job. Now that job turned into a prayer request. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what did you do, though? What did you do? I'm curious to know. How, how, how did that shape you? So I, I laid out a couple of things uh, to kind of walk through. So the first one, um, I recognized it as experience um, in preparation for something greater. I was getting projects that were, right, you heard me say it the first time, now hear it this way. My projects were being presented to management. Mm. So I'm back here like, what? Look, I knew I crushed it. I thought I did a good job. But she went and, and they liked it. Sure, my name wasn't on it, but I was getting to touch projects at a level in my career that should have taken me years to get to do. Y'all hear that? That in that hostile environment where she's being mistreated, God is setting her up now to see things and be exposed to things years in advance of where she's supposed to be. But most of us now with a funky attitude would have quit before the opportunity came for us to be exposed to what's happening on several levels higher than me. And sometimes God will put us in places. So it put us in difficult places just for a season because what he's really trying to do is expose us to something way above our pay grade. Perspective matters. <laughs> Perspective matters. In fact, your anchor text for this, for this whole message is what? Galatians 6, 9? Yeah. And what does that say? So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Listen to that. He says, don't get tired of doing what's good. 
And sometimes you just keep doing good. And it seems like I'm doing stuff, but people that don't even appreciate me, they don't even notice, just keep doing good. And because she chose to do good, even in a hostile environment, she's now being exposed to stuff way above her experience level. I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. uh, Ms. Cassie. I keep interrupting. So, it's so a second good. point on that was that um, really trying to remember and realize that there's a human on the other side of that monster um, mm. and likely a hurting one. Uh, you know, the quote we always hear, hurt people hurt people. Um, so I try to remind myself that she was a human, <laughs> that God loves as well, mm. um, and that I might be the only example, and I know I was the only employee that stuck around for her. I might yeah. be the only example of good or goodness or God in her life. Um, not that I was sitting there able to like preach to her or anything, but just by, one, not quitting, because she had a rotating door underneath her. People would not work for her. Mm. Not surprised at all by that. But, right. um, you know, I thought if if anyone is going to be able to work in these conditions, I'm going to figure out how. Well, good, good. Have you ever met somebody before and you just really, you, you wanted to be mad at them, but what kept coming out of your heart was really compassion for them? Listen to me. When you show up with your towel, when you show up with your towel, make sure, first of all, it's a towel of humility. But number two, make sure it's a towel of compassion. Like you said rightly, there is a human on the other side of this monster that you're experiencing right now. And the way you begin to have compassion for people is just know their story. As bad as this person is behaving right now, <laughs> most people don't just, are not just bad for no reason. Over time, over time, life can beat people up so bad that they just get hardened. And for those of us who know Jesus and follow Jesus, it is our responsibility, though, to come in there with that towel of compassion and just say, look, this person is hard. They're hard for a reason. But God, if I'm here, there's a reason you got me here. Maybe it's to reach them with the compassion and the love that I show them because nobody has ever treated them that way. They all quit. And what if God sent Cassie? just to be that one person who would not quit on her mean boss so that her eyes would be opened to the love of Jesus. Sometimes we miss those opportunities and we quit prematurely and we grow weary in well-doing. Cassie. And when that doesn't work... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, you can't, when you can't really keep on to like, okay, there's a human that God loves on the other, they're just, but right, you, your humanity starts to kick in too of, um, it just doesn't feel good, you don't like it, you cannot keep that, that image of um, this good, great person that God loves on the other side of it, um, remembering that we're not serving that person, we're serving God. So Colossians three twenty three through 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart with all your heart, um, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Um, That one's big, um, just because I I think there's been several times I've had to remember that. Um, And it's not just the human talking bosses, right? The neighbor, the coworker, the peer, the in-law, the whatever is challenging you in a way um, where, and it's not my in-law, and they 
example and lots of the example. <laughs> Just in general stories I hear about, <laughs> really though. Um, but you know, not just the boss relationship. Um, reminding yourself that when you're serving and bringing that towel and trying to help others, mm-hmm. um, it's it's for God, and there's a reward at the end of it for those of you that are reward motivated. <laughs> awesome, very good. So, so this is no, very good, very good. Um, I, I want you to weigh in, Brian, because uh, when we're going over this and we're kind of talking through uh, just what servant leadership means to you guys. Uh, uh, you came with a slightly different angle, and uh, which is the second point. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us first of all what you do again, and then uh, I want you to share that story that you shared with us because I think it's it's helpful. So point number two was going the extra mile. Um, you know, going above and beyond. Uh, you know, it's something that you see Ben do um, in the movie. He's he cleans up a desk that's become an eyesore in the middle of the office that he he didn't have to do. Um, he's a counselor to the younger guys. He takes one of them in when he can't find a place to live. Um, just going above and beyond knowing there's not anything in it for you. Um, so, um, the, the verse here, are, uh, was Matthew five forty one. Um, the first mile is required and the second is a choice. So if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two. And he was a really great example of that. Um, so good. So good. I'm, I'm playing double Dutch with that. Can I jump in? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me jump in on that. Let me, let me tell you why this is, this is critical. Go the extra mile. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are a lot of people who will only do the minimum that's required to get by. You know the people that start... Uh, <laughs> the people that start... Powering down their computer at 4.59. (laughs) Because you're not going to get one more minute of my time. And if you got a 30-minute lunch and two 15-minute breaks every single day, like clockwork, because you got a 50-minute break here, a 50-minute break here, and a 30-minute lunch here, people, but that's lost on us, right? That going the extra mile. Because servant leadership will do more than is required. And that's where that whole phrase comes from. When Jesus is teaching, these are the words in red. He says, go the extra mile. And you guys are Bible scholars. You know how that worked, right? Uh, Because they were under Roman occupation. If a Roman soldier saw a, a Jewish citizen sitting by the road or whatever, he would tell him, carry my load. And they were compelled by law to carry his load one mile. Jesus said, don't just go one mile. If somebody's making you go one mile against your will, here's how you flip the script on them. You take that load a second mile. Because the first mile is all about the law. It's all about what you're required to do. But that second mile is a choice. You remove the compulsion from them where they compelled you to do something you didn't want to do. And now on that second mile, you are saying, you made me do something I didn't want to do. But on the second mile, I'm in charge. I'm doing it of my own volition. And that's where the heart transformation happens. Most of us get to that end of that first mile. And anyway, let me, let me pump the brakes. Most of us get to that first end of that first mile. 
and drop the load. Jesus says nothing really happened on that first mile. You just did what was required by the law. But if transformation is going to come in your life, I want you to take what that mean boss has done to you, and I want you to go the second mile. Do what's not required. Because on the second mile is where the transformation happens. The transformation happens when you choose to take just one more step on a journey that started without your choice or your voice. Are y'all listening to this this morning? And that's why, and some people have attributed the quote to Roger Staubach. Some have attributed it to Zig Ziglar. Whoever said it is good. Said there's no traffic jams on the extra mile freeway. Listen to me. It's a whole lot of traffic jams on that first mile. Second mile, not a whole lot of people make it that far. And that's where God wants for us to live as Christ followers. Not on the first mile, but on the second mile. So tell tell us that story. Something happened. Yeah, so I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I'm I'm in sales. Um, So from a manufacturer's level, I sell into wholesale buyers, essentially. So once that product has been sold to the retailer, it's somewhat out of my hands. I mean, I'm still along to help the retailer and um, educate their employees and make sure they know our products well so they can sell them. But I've earned my commission when I sell that product in. Um, the particular thing that you're talking about um, that we, we went over was back in January, which is boat show season for me. Um, I go to the boat shows and help the, the dealer sell the product. Um, and we had a large shipment that was supposed to be delivered in time for move-in for a trade show in Houston. And for whatever reason, it didn't show up. It was right around the holiday season. Shipping's crazy. Um, but the bottom line is they had basically 24 hours to figure out a way to get product into a show that they didn't have. Um, and the only thing that I could really think to do was to get my samples that I personally carry and try and figure out a way to get that product to them so that they could do the show. So essentially after you made the sale, it's no longer your problem. Right. So why did you do it? I pride myself in going that extra mile. It's a good answer. This is how most of us live. That ain't my problem. Let them figure it out. When it is within your power to fix it. But most of us don't go that extra mile. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You ready? You ready? It's inconvenient. And that was the worst part for me. The inconvenient part. The inconvenient part. Well, so... They had 24 hours because they had to move it into the show. And the oh, I had commitments the next morning, so the only way that I could do it was to hot shot it to Houston that night and then Driving. return back Driving. home Driving. so that I could be available the next morning. Isn't that good? So it was a long night. Very long night. And there was no traffic. <laughs> good answer. Listen, listen, let me... You don't have to answer this, but when was the last time you went out of your way to make something happen for somebody else who desperately needed it 
when it wasn't your problem. I'm just, you don't even have to, when was the last time you just went out of your way to make something happen for someone who desperately needed it, where you wouldn't get any credit, no pat on the back, and it meant you would have to, like, go out of your way, drive five hours overnight to get it there. That's what servant leadership looks like. That's what serving others looks like. And coming from a pastor, it can sound self-serving. Oh, you just want me to serve. No, 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 no. I want you to be great. Jesus wants you to be great. And greatness in the kingdom is measured by how well we serve. So more than anything, as a pastor, I really want something for you. Listen to me. Listen to me. There have been times. There have been times. There have been times. Where, where we may have asked somebody to do something. And as our kids are walking past him, well, if that was Ray and Wendy won, they can do it themselves. And our kids hear that, right? And not just about my kids hearing it, but the most painful thing for me is we don't ask people to do those things because we can't do it for ourselves. I'll be the first one under that screen. In fact, when we move all the equipment from next door, I was one of the handful of guys who did it. Because I lead with a towel in my hand. The painful thing is not even what people have said. If that's what they want, let them do it for themselves. That's not it. The painful thing for me as a pastor is, wow. Y'all know how people do Oh, you're keeping me from being great. Why won't you let me be great? You know, people say that now. That's kind of a slang thing. That's the most painful thing to me is when, when I see people respond that way. As a pastor, it's like, wow. You're keeping yourself from being great, and you don't even know it. Let me tell you the problem of most people in life. We practice image instead of celebrating identity. Are y'all listening to me? Most of us, the stuff we do is just about image. It's just about how we want people to see us or what we want them to think of us. But it's not really about identity. Because if you know what your identity is and who you are in Christ, getting down on your knees and washing somebody's feet ain't going to take an ounce of your value away from you. But because most of us are image focused, we think that something will happen to our image if we take a towel. And that is our problem. Is we're all about image. We're all about what we want people to think of us. And so if we ask a simple, just a simple task, if that's what they want, let them do it themselves. You know why? You have an image problem. And I'm sorry, it's really an identity problem. You really don't know who you are. And you don't really know whose you are. Put John chapter 13 on the screen. That is your problem. You do not know who you are. That's why you have trouble doing what Jesus said. That's why servant leadership is hard. That's why you can't function if a title is removed. So the title makes you now? Your value is determined by your title? Who were you before you got the title? Are y'all listening to me? So let's talk about what Jesus did even before he, got, even before he picked up the towel. Let me tell you why Jesus could pick up the towel. 
Because Jesus knew his identity. Jesus wasn't about image. He was not about image. He was not about image. He was not about image. What, are we at John chapter 13? Uh, let's start, you know what, let's start at verse 1. I'll just read it quick. So it says, before the Passover uh, celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. Listen to me. If there was anybody in that moment who was supposed to be having a pity party, it was Jesus. If, Jesus, if there was anybody who should have been demanding that people wash his feet, it should have been Jesus. I'm about to die. The Roman Sanhedrin and all these people, the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers, not the Roman Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, Roman soldiers, the, the Pharisees, they're all about to come get me. In fact, sitting at this table right now, one of you are about to betray me for 30 pieces of silver, the going price for a slave. In fact, there's another one of you sitting at this table right now that's going to deny me three times. If there was anybody who needed attention in this moment, it should have been Jesus. If there was anybody who needed pampering, it should have been Jesus. Because he knew that his hour had come. He knew that in approximately 24 hours, he would be nailed to a cross. Listen to me. But none of that moved him. Now, notice what it says. It says he had loved the disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. There was so much I could say about that last sentence, but I'm not going to go there. Now, verse 2 says it was time for, uh, for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Here it is. Here it is. Let me, listen to me. Most of us are about preserving image. Instead of embracing our unique identity. Notice what this verse says. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God. And that he was going back to God. So, listen to me, what informed his action? Why did he get down? The soul is connected to the preceding verse. The reason the soul he got up from the table, took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist is connected to how Jesus saw himself. He said, I got all authority. Even though I came to earth as a carpenter's son, <laughs> it's not about the image. Because if it was about the image, Jesus would have come as a conquering king. But Jesus concealed his identity in the flesh of a carpenter. Are y'all listening to me? Jesus said, God's given me all authority, number one. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. So getting down to wash your toe jam infested feet. Y'all know they had leather sandals walking through dust. Perfect recipe for toe jam on a hot day in the Middle East. Y'all see that, right? Jesus said, I ain't got no problem doing it. Because I know who I am. And getting down and washing your feet ain't going to change a thing about me. I was Jesus before I got on my knees and I'll be Jesus when I get up off my knees. That's why I serve a 30-year-old boss. Even though I was 17 when he was born. 
Y'all see how I, you see the thoughts that be going through your pastor head. Are y'all with me? Go the extra mile. We practice, we, we try to preserve image instead of cultivating identity. Because when you know who you are, what you do is secondary. Are y'all with me? All right, we got to wrap it up. I'll let y'all do that. I'll try. Okay, so the final, the third, you know, serve, 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 go the extra mile, and the purpose perspective. We've kind of hit on it quite a bit um, already, but just having the, the perspective of the bigger picture. Um, you all have likely heard it, but I love the um, analogy of laying bricks versus building a castle. And really, mm. we're building a kingdom here. Um, Work and the tasks and the whatever can look a lot like laying bricks. Um, Mm. On a hot day, not the right tools, it can look very much like that. Um, But if you look at it as in I'm building a castle um, and you know that and you know the purpose behind it, um, it feels different. The motivation behind it is different. You waking up, getting excited about picking up those bricks is different. Um, Just having that that big picture perspective um, is important. It's huge, huge. Anything you want to add to that? About perspective or big picture? No. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to close out, I'll close out with that. Big picture. Uh, big picture. Uh, trust that God's purpose is actually good. And, uh, um, yeah, let me just say it this way. Let me just say it this way. Uh, Jesus said, talk about faithfulness in Three areas. Call them the audible now. Let's throw this on the screen. I'm going to go fast and furious. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Let's look at verse 9. Let's look at verse 9. I'll start at verse. I want to say it's verse 9. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but Luke chapter 16. Uh, uh, let's uh, I'll go to verse 10. Do you have your Bible with you? I thought I brought my Bible in. Do you have your Bible with you, Pastor Jay? Oh, you have it up? Okay, yeah, let, me, let me do this. I'll just, so I can find it quickly. Uh, is this NIV? Okay, let me change it real quick to New King James. Uh, y'all bear with me. Luke chapter 16, and then we'll wrap it up. Thank you, baby. Uh, verse 9. Uh, Verse 10, okay? Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Uh, Perspective. Uh, Perspective matters. Because here it is. It says, he who is faithful in what is least will then be faithful over what is much. So if I don't learn the lesson of being faithful in the little things, will God entrust much to me? When you watch the movie, he starts out serving coffee, but guess what? He becomes uh, Anne Hathaway's character's confidant. And he begins to walk her through a difficult time in her company where she starts the company from scratch, and now they're trying to bring in a new CEO. You see, the truth is, if we'll just be faithful in little things, serving the coffee, if we'll just be faithful serving the coffee, then God will trust us with much more. But if we're unwilling to pour the coffee well, 
how will he give you the C-suite corner office that you desire? When you haven't been faithful to wax on, wax off. You see, for, for Ralph Macchio's character, that, this is nonsense. I want to learn karate. Had the wrong perspective. You're wasting my time. And most of us are willing to wax on and wax off, but we want to be karate legends. The second thing he says is, look, be faithful with unrighteous mammon, talking about money. He says, who will commit, if you're not faithful with money, I can't even entrust truth. Listen to me, in God's estimation, money ain't even true riches. He says, what you do with your money is just a test to see if I can trust you with true riches. It's about perspective. And the third thing in verse 12, this is why I want us to see. For the people who say, let rare, when they do it themselves, is that what they want? For the dreamers in this building, look at verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what belongs to another man, who will give you what is your own? I'm talking about you who want to, you, you're entrepreneurs. And you want to have your own business and you got your dream of having your empire and you have not been faithful in what belongs to another man? Who will give you what is your own? Now, just in case you think this is me and my opinion, these are the words of Jesus in red. That's why sometimes you show up to work and you lead a team and you don't understand why the people are giving you hell. My words, hell. Could be you reaping what you've sown. I can't get any good people to, I can't, I can't find nobody, no quality people to hire. Were you faithful in what which belonged to somebody else? Have you been faithful in what wasn't your own? Or do you only give attention to what belongs to you that has your name on it? And building your own brand, building your own company, building your own empire, it ain't happening, sis. Y'all see how I use that? I told y'all two weeks ago that, sis, sis, that's the word, sis. It ain't happening, bro. Listen, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who gonna give you your own? And that's why perspective is so powerful. That if I could just be faithful with somebody else's dream. When my time comes, because I've sown into that, God's going to send me the right people who will not just have the right action, but the right attitude. And if you're constantly dealing, constantly dealing with people, um, let me say this to people. Let me just say this to people who are struggling in that area. It could be that you haven't been faithful with what belongs to somebody else. Perspective matters. And this is where we're going to close because, because God wants you to be great. Right? Don't keep yourself from being great. Serve well. Serve faithfully. And I guarantee you, none of this is motivated by, my wife and I are going to do it. Along with the ones who are faithful. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever has to be done. But the thing that breaks my heart is when I think to myself, wow, 
somebody just missed an awesome opportunity to be great in the kingdom, not to serve Ray and Wendy Harmon. Are y'all with me? Final words before we close. Did we, we didn't even show the clip, but I don't think we needed to. Did, you, did we need to? No, we're going to wrap up here. Okay? It's 11.33. It is. Look at you. Go, girl. She's I'm got here to the help time. you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just one close today. One close, and that's what we're going to do. And you guys have the honor and privilege of wrapping this thing up. Why don't you close it up? What do you want to say about oh, uh, servant Or final words to, okay. to, to, to the church. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said it so great as far as tying in um, our points that have helped us. Um, I think just overall, we've had to, we haven't done it perfectly the whole way through. There's been challenges that you get like super frustrated and we're human at the end of the day. Um, but tying these in have, have truly um, led us to success in a way that we have seen the promise. Um, we have seen the the blessings on the other end of it. And I know that we'll only continue to, um, and it's not why we do it, but um, I guess just to, to be a testament of um, the word is true. And when he says that he will, you know, in whatever right time he'll harvest it, it wasn't quick um, with that boss situation. Um, it was years in the making, but um, it, it certainly paid off in all kinds of ways. Awesome. Brian? <laughs> Brian is a man of few words. Amen. Amen. Let, let's do this. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. And I pray that you heard our hearts this morning. Uh, because again, ultimately, God wants only what's best for us in our lives personally, uh, in our careers, but even in our families. Even in our families. Even in our families. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I heard someone say this, and again, I want you to hear that this principle of servant leadership is transcendent. It touches every area of our lives. In fact, as it relates to marriage, I heard somebody say that a successful marriage is two servants in love. Servant leadership touches even your marriage. That if a husband would serve his wife, if a wife would serve her husband, it would eliminate 99.9% of the conflicts that we see. If we would just learn to serve one another, Jesus said we would be great in the kingdom. So, Father, we come to you now in the name that is above every other name, the matchless name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.